afternoon and uh, welcome in. Dennis Fithian here. Good afternoon. Live coming up, we are going to hear from uh, Mike Hart, Michigan running backs coach and a former Wolverine, Franz Wagner, making his first basket in the uh, NBA this week. But uh, as a lot of people here on this Friday, a football Friday, getting ready for the weekend and the return of action, the football team, amazing blue, midway through the season. And here to talk about it is a, a decades-long member of the sure. media in Michigan. He's here on video. He's here if uh, you're listening to the pod. It's Michael Spath. Uh, how you doing, Spath? I'm doing great, Dennis, and this has been such a fun year for me uh, because I've I've quasi taken the media hat off, um, still doing you know some radio interviews, still doing uh, podcasts uh, such as yourself, um, you know. But uh, I, I teach at the University of Michigan. I teach a, a sports class at the University of Michigan. But I've I've in some ways really transitioned to more of like the fan role. Um, this year, and I've enjoyed that because the fan role is great. I mean, you can have a beer before the game, or you can have, uh, like I do, you can have a bourbon during the game um, without having to necessarily worry about the the analysis that uh, immediately takes place after the game is over with. So um, I've had a great time, and plus the fact that Michigan is six and zero going into this weekend against Northwestern. Yeah, it's definitely different. I know from, you know, you, you wake up really early on a Saturday if talking about if you're working and then, you know, you're down at the stadium, you love all of it. You, you, you love sitting up there, you love going to the news conferences, typing up things, talking about it. And then you get home at night. I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's totally different when you're out there partying, tailgating and taking it in, and, you know, and in that part right here, I, it's like uh, I've been separated a, a, a little bit from everyday media, the things that I've been doing for the last uh 25, 26 years. And then the football team this year, I've been enjoying it, you know, going along with it. And then they got to this bye week. And man, last Saturday, I, I just saw a friend of mine say, you know, it's kind of just like a throwaway comedy. He's like, oh, I hate bye weeks. You know, he's a big Michigan fan, Buddy Morehouse. And I and I thought, man, I'm just loving this. Like, it, and it's just the, the, the waves of a little bit of emotion of just like, man, being six and oh, I, I'm relishing. This yeah. extra week, man, just enjoying it, knowing that there's great times ahead, awesome games coming up. But I, I couldn't help the feeling of just being like, man, I'm I'm enjoying it. I don't know if it's stopping to smell the roses or whatever else, but uh, it's Michigan football has been fun. These uh, it's been fun all season. It's been really fun uh, since they they beat Nebraska. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Dennis, you you know as well as I do, like you get to a certain point and right around this bye week where you're uh, whether you're in the media or you're just a fan where you can be hitting a wall, um, especially if your team is not having success. If Michigan was four and two at this point with losses to Washington and Wisconsin, uh, you'd be a little bit like, ah, you know, like they're now they're just kind of playing it out and you're, you're hoping for a victory over Michigan state, but what's this season really going to be about if they've already got, you know, a number of losses, but the world is, you know, to, to borrow the, the phrase, the world is their oyster right now. Um, and everything is possible with six games to go. Uh, and, and, and certainly three extremely challenging games left on the schedule. But that's exciting because they've now put themselves in a position where they can do something this year. They can, uh, they can compete for a Big Ten East title. They can compete for a Big Ten championship. And, and if things go right, they could be in the college football playoff. Um, they're not quite in that conversation yet, but, they're, but they could get there. And so, yeah, you're right. Like when your team is 6-0 and going into a bye week, my God, like you can just sit back, relax, watch as much football as you want. On that Saturday, you know, unfortunately, Dennis, I don't know about you, but last Saturday when Michigan did have its bye, you know, I watched the Michigan State-Indiana game at noon, 
And then we watched the Iowa-Purdue game, uh, which turned out to be a, a stunner. That Georgia-Kentucky game really wasn't very good. Georgia just rolled over them. And then for the first time all year, I didn't. there wasn't an 8 o'clock game or a 7.30 game that was really compelling to me. And so we did a little bit of a, of a date night uh, on Saturday and gave that that evening back to my wife because uh, I made a deal with my wife. I know you're you know you're married too. Like I, I said, I will give you NFL Sundays because we don't have a pro team here in Detroit. So I'll give you NFL Sundays if I can do 12 hours of college football on Saturdays. And so that's the deal I have with my wife. Um, so I love every college football Saturday where I get to watch it from 12 to about 12 o'clock at night. Well, I hope everybody's listening and watching, but except my wife, because, uh, you know, my deal is a little bit like uh, 12 hours Saturday, 12 on Sunday, Monday night football, Thursday. What about when basketball and hockey? And she's like, wait a second. So hopefully she's not listening to this. But, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of football right now, of, of basketball last year. And anything that you want to throw out there is like, hey, talk about Juwan. Talk about the assistants. How about this player? And everything was just like, it just felt good. Like, and yeah. it should have because everything was positive. And, you know, they were on their way to winning the the, the Big Ten and the tournament was a, a lot of fun. I know they were that close. You know, they had all those shots. So we know that. But football is the same way now. Like, so many years in the past talking about Jim Harbaugh and his staff. It was like, oh, man, but, you know, what about this failure? No, no, but – and right now it doesn't feel like that. You know, Jim is uh, – you know, he looks good. He's got a bounce of his step, and so does everybody else. I, I don't know. I, I, we keep talking about the, the the good feelings all afternoon long here, but, you know, they're they're 6-0 and at the midway point. They've got the bye here. And, but you do imagine, what, 7-0, and and I'm expecting that, but then 8-0. Do you, do you, how long do you think they keep it up here – because you know they've got Northwestern tomorrow, and then um, you know the whatever you want to call backyard brawl coming up a week from tomorrow. I've got to tell you about the backyard brawl because again, I'm, I'm looking forward to, this, forward to this game against Northwestern just because we haven't seen them play for two weeks, and uh, you want to go out there and see like if the running game with Haskins, Hassan Haskins, and Blake Corum can can put up big numbers, uh, and and what Cade McNamara who needs to improve his game. I mean, we can get into the football team specifically uh, in his performance this year. But my God, Dennis, I, I really hope this Michigan football team is not getting too far looking ahead because I think all of us are looking ahead right now to the Michigan-Michigan State game on October 30th. In fact, um, you know, I come from a divided house. Uh, I'm a Michigan grad. My wife's a Michigan State grad. Uh, all of my family, my brother, my sister-in-law, uh, we're all Wolverines, and then all of her family are Spartans. And, like, we've been spending the last couple of days talking about the tailgate that we're going to have at our own house um, on October 30th and who, you know, can we, are we going to invite both sides of the family? We're just going to invite one. So we decided we're going to invite both of them and let them decide who's going to come. And we're going to have both flags flying while we're, we're finalizing our menu right now. It is going to be, if, if Michigan gets by Northwestern, like they should, but three thirty-one on Saturday till the following Saturday at noon is going to be as good of a week as frenzied of a week in this state that I think any of us have ever experienced in our lifetimes to have two seven O teams to be both ranked in the top 10. And honestly, they'll probably both be, I think they're both like number in the top eight right now. That might be even higher than that. Um, by the time we get to next weekend, I mean, there's, they haven't had this in, in 60 years, you know, in our lifetimes, they haven't had this. They've had some really big matchups. Um, but the, with the age of social media now, like it, it is going to be so much fun. And I know I work in a big company of like 200 employees and we're already talking about it, like who's going to be on what side. You've got to wear Michigan clothes all week. You've got to wear Michigan State clothes all week. 
Um, I'm going to have so much fun with my colleagues, with my family, with my friends. Uh, I can't wait for it. And, and again, it's just like kind of like fingers crossed. Michigan just goes out there and does what they're supposed to do against Northwestern. Well, I just hope uh, every other day, you know, your son has maize on one day and blue mm-hmm. on the other. So as long as he's uh, dressed appropriately next week, that's all I care about. I get it. You know, it's up to the coaches and it's up to the uh, the senior leaders and the veterans on the team to keep everybody focused. Uh, it's not for anybody else. I mean, we can sit around talking about one day at a time and let's just uh, concentrate on the reps at practice. I mean, that's not a lot of fun. I was watching Mike Hart. Uh, his news conference for this week, and uh, he, he had a lot of nice things to say. And it's talking about all the running backs. And, you know, at some point somebody asked him about looking ahead, you know, and he just threw out everything that you'd expect to hear. Like, yeah, we're, we know that next week doesn't mean anything if we don't take care of business. And, you know, it's uh, one day at a time, you know, all those things. So, you know, that's good. And, you know, hopefully they do have their heads screwed on straight. I know Michigan State went through that last week at Indiana. And they played like it was a trap game, and they were looking ahead. So I, you could get a little bit nervous about that. I think being at home, if they come out and, it, and it's not going well, I think that crowd can really energize them that way. And that gets into my next question. You hinted at it a little bit specifically, you know, what you're looking for and, and what you're hoping for uh, tomorrow against Northwestern. And you know, Michigan has put themselves in a position now where you can think about winning 10 games and you can think about how they could do against Michigan State. Penn State and Ohio State. And if they're going to be competitive in those games and, and maybe win them all, uh, to me, tomorrow coming out, you want to see everything. You want to, what Kate McNamara, whatever you think of him and how he's done and how he's protected the ball and how he's thrown it, you want to see the intermediate passes. You want to see him sharp on that. You want to see him be able to take the top off the defense. All of those things, a real crispness. Uh, from uh, from Kate McNamara, that would be the thing. Like you want to see everything, but that would be the one thing that I would look for McNamara, where you look at it and you say, "This guy is ready to take on some big bigger opponents here." Yeah, Dennis, I completely agree with you. I, I think first of all, just that first quarter. I mean, traditional coming off a of bye week, and and I know it's kind of cliche, but you really just do want to just shake off the rust a little bit, right? You want to get back into feeling like you're uh, you know, you're peaking and you're. Um, you know how to play your best football on both sides of the ball and, and special teams too. Beyond that, I look at Northwestern. If, if, if Northwestern is the team that we think they are, this is to me an, a complete confidence game for Michigan football. It's confidence. You know, they, they ran for over 200 yards against Nebraska. It's going out there and putting up 250 yards on the ground against Northwestern and making sure that the offensive linemen and Corum and Haskins and if Donovan Edwards is in the fold, that all those guys are – are like feeling really good coming off this game and then going into Michigan State and playing with confidence all week in practice and being like looking at the Spartans and going like, hey, we just we just came off a great game. We can go out there and do this again against the Spartans. And and to really for for Cade McNamara, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like this is huge. I mean, a guy completing sixty percent of his passes ten years ago, fifteen years ago in college, you're like, wow, like this guy's having a great season. But the game has changed, and the best quarterbacks in college football are completing like north of sixty eight percent of their passes consistently. And so, and so that, you know, that eight, five to eight percentage points means that he's a pretty average to slightly below average quarterback in college football. When you look at his efficiency numbers, when you look at his, I mean, everyone wants to talk about the interceptions and I get that, but part of the reason that his interception numbers are so low is because he doesn't take that many chances. And, and in today's college football, it's, it's big plays, big risk. Um, and, and you're going to throw some interceptions because you're, you're pushing the ball down the field because you're pushing it into tight spots and Michigan generally avoids that. But when you avoid that, you avoid those big plays that you can have. 
Um, and the in the downfield passing game, I mean, look, like downfield passing game is is hard for any team. Like no one completes these things at 70%. They're closer to about 40 to 50%, but Cade McNamara is down in like the 20s, you know? And I mean, like that's a bad number to be at. And so especially when you play Michigan State, Michigan State is a big play offense. They've got an amazing running back, arguably the best running back in college football, but it's Peyton Thorne to Jalen Reed and Peyton Thorne to Jared Naylor. And that is what has made them so successful for seven games is being able to, uh, to, to hit the home run with the passing game. And I think Michigan's going to have to be able to answer that um, up in East Lansing. And so, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I need to see Caden McNamara. I need to see Cornelius Johnson. I need to see um, uh, Baldwin, uh, you know, the wide receivers. Shane were still like, I need to see all these guys be clicking and on the same page because it's really hard just to flip a switch and do it when you absolutely have to have it. And so this game is a confidence game and a build-up game uh, to the one next week. Yeah, and if they could come out with that run game like you were talking about to get the rust off and, and get up to speed and get the engines running like you would like, and then you see a, a super sharp Cade McNamara and they get into the second half, whatever that plan is. I know Jim Harbaugh has already talked about, well, it's a feel and then it's a set plan. Talking about J.J. McCarthy, like he could be, I don't know, we always talk about X factors and things like that, but uh, I think he could be an X factor, you know, in the second half here. I don't think, you know, Cade McNamara has one bad series against Michigan State. You know, you're, you're hooking, put, putting the hook yeah, in. But yeah. if he has a bad half and you think, like, uh, you know, he's missing some passes like he did in the second half against Rutgers, could J.J. McCarthy get in there? You don't want that if you're somebody that follows Michigan, but you know there's a chance for that. So get in the second half and let J.J. McCarthy cook. You know, we, we've yeah. seen him do a little bit of that, but let, let's see him, you know, uh, use the whole arsenal. They can run a little bit. Let's see the deep ball. So all of that. I mean, that's so those are the best laid plans talking about, yeah, get a run game, get a big defense flying around, super sharp, Cade McNamara, McCarthy coming in and, and cooking in the second half. Now, I, I don't know how much of that we're going to see, but that's what, uh, you know, that's yeah. the hope. That's the hope. Well, and, and something you just brought up about J.J. McCarthy, too. And so, you know, I, I think in a in an ideal world, you don't ever need him as an emergency quarterback to come in and, and jumpstart the offense. But we already saw, I mean, look at a program like Oklahoma that was uh, trailing to Texas uh, with coming into the year, the preseason number one quarterback in college football and Spencer Rattler. And they made a, a switch to Caleb Williams and they go come back and beat Texas and they go out there and roll last week. Uh, and, and now Oklahoma's Caleb Williams team. Um, and he looks like he has a higher ceiling. And now Oklahoma looks like a legit playoff team. Uh, and when you're talking about Michigan, I mean, you know, I've heard some people say that Michigan's been winning in spite of Cade McNamara. I don't think that's fair to the young man. I think that he's been very good, again, efficient um, with the football, has not thrown the, has not had the bad turnovers. But yeah, I mean, three big ones Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State, two of those three on the road. And I don't think you're going to win those games 20 to 17. I really don't. I think those games are going to be where the offense uh, has to be, you know, Michigan's offense has to be the best unit on the field. And Michigan's quarterback has to be the best quarterback and one of the, you know, two or three best players on the field. And right now, if you were to say that, would how much confidence do you have that Cade McNamara is going to be one of the best two or three players on the field when they play the Spartans, Nittany Lions, or Buckeyes? I don't have much confidence. And so if they get in those positions – is J.G. McCarthy ready to go out there and do it? And it maybe just has to be for one half of football, and then you can get Cade back and uh, you develop it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it has happened over and over again. You and I have been paying attention for a long time. You go back to the mid-1990s and talk about this Northwestern team. 
When Northwestern has been really good or it's been a thorn in people's side, you can go through Steve Schnur, Zach Kustak. Uh, they had the quarterback just uh, the, the, the past couple of years, the transfer from Indiana. I mean, every time that Northwestern has had a good quarterback, they've been able to give people a scare. And right now they don't have a good quarterback, and so you expect them to get rolled over. Michigan is a little bit different. They've always had a good quarterback, but they've never had the great quarterback. And when they've had the great quarterback, they have had a chance to beat Ohio State. But most years, year in and year out, Ohio State has had the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and Michigan's had the fourth or fifth, and they just can't compete uh, in these games the last few years. Yeah, and, and like you, I've looked a lot at Michigan State and watched them play this year. And if there's one thing, you start looking at the tail of the tape. They're very you know comparable teams. But if there's one spot, uh, one spot where there might be an Achilles heel, it could be the corners there for, for MSU. So being able to attack on the outside, uh, is Kate McNamara going to be ready to do that? Yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple quick hitters here. Sure. Uh, it's halfway, six wins, and so they've got six games. Really easy to kind of take a look at in the Northwestern tomorrow and then Indiana and then Maryland. Those are three games that seem very manageable, very winnable as we sit here and talk about it. Then the three games that you mentioned – so I, I don't know if you put the over and under, if I put the over and under at nine and a half, mm-hmm. so you get those, uh, the three wins that I just talked about, then you're getting those, uh, you know, you're getting those remaining uh, three Michigan state, Penn state and Ohio state. Uh, I would like to say that they could win two out of three of those. I, I still kind of feel like, you know, I don't know, Sean Clifford, if Roberson is the quarterback, I feel like, you know, Michigan's got a, a great chance to, to win that one. I got a pretty good chance to beat Michigan state, but I, I don't know. I, I would say, I still feel like they just probably get one out of those three, which is a 10 win season. Uh, so I would take the over on the nine and a half. Uh, how would you feel about it? Yeah, I'm going to take the over too. I, I think just what this team has shown us this year, that, um, that it would be really disappointing to me if they went nine and three uh, and three and three, the rest of the way and lost uh, to Michigan state, Penn state and Ohio state. Um, because ultimately that would be the three best teams that they faced this year and they, you know, they didn't get the job done. Um, I, I feel really good. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the Penn State game. And even if they have Sean Clifford, I know that Penn State might have the best, probably has the best defense of the three big ones that are playing left. Um, but they have no running game. They have essentially a one-trick pony in Johan Dotson at wide receiver. Uh, and without Clifford, um, you know, the, the back of Roberson was as bad of a back as I've seen since Russell Bellamy in 2012 against Nebraska. Um, I mean, he looked like a complete deer in the headlights. Uh, he looked like a baby fawn in the headlights, man. I mean, it was awful. Um, now I don't know, you know, if Sean Clifford will be back for the Michigan game or not. Um, I would suspect that, that he's working to that end, but even if they have Clifford again, like, I think there's really, really a one dimensional offense. Uh, and I think Michigan will be able to tee off on them. So I actually think they beat Penn State regardless of the situation here. Michigan State and Ohio State are the two ones. I'm not going to predict them to beat Ohio State just because I won't predict them to beat Ohio State in my lifetime again until like, they start going out there and doing it. Um, there's really no reason to. This Michigan State game, you know, we saw last week against Indiana that they are they have a hard time consistently moving the ball down the field. They are 100% about the big play, the big play, the big play. What scares me a little bit about that is I have I really like Michigan safeties and Dax Hill and in uh, Brad Hawkins, but I don't really feel great about Michigan's cornerbacks in Jamon Green and Vincent Gray. And you know, are they just going to play two deep two deep safeties the entire time? And if they do two deep safeties the entire time, well, guess what? They do have Kenneth Walker, and he's going to be able to probably have some success against uh, 
uh, a seven man box, especially if one of those linebackers is dropping out pretty consistently. So, you know, I think that is the biggest challenge is, and that's why I think this game, the Michigan, Michigan state game is more of like the Brady, uh, who was the quarterback in 1999 for the Spartans. Like when it was like 35, 31, I think that's what we're more no, like. No. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's, I might've been, um, was it a smoker? Was smoker the quarterback at that time? Smoker to to duck it. That was two thousand and one. Okay. So then Bill Burke, you know, I was trying to think of my, you know, my Spartan quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. We will. We can look that up here. But yeah, so I think it's going to be a, more of a scoring game uh, against Michigan State. And I'm just curious, like, you know, what you said about the cornerbacks. Michigan State's cornerbacks are weak. I think Michigan State, Michigan's cornerbacks are average, and so. You know, which quarterback takes greater advantage of the other team's defensive backs? Right now, I would say Peyton Thorne has shown to be more consistent in that realm. Does Cade McNamara get there, or is that the game that J.J. McCarthy has to step in and do it? Yeah, I'm on the same page with you. You know, I, it's uh, people have been asking me what kind of score I see, and you know, is it on the offense or the defense? I think the offense, and I think Michigan's defense is going to give up some big plays. You know, I sound hopefully it's not like Nebraska in the third quarter where they gave up 22 points, but and, and hopefully they're not blowing coverages like they did for that first Nebraska TD. But you know, good offenses they're going to have the advantage, and if they can hit you deep, and if they've got a good running game like MSU does, and they're at home, it's like you know, thinking about it being a you know, twenty to nineteen game. I'm thinking, you know, Michigan needs to score into the thirty. So I'm with you on that. I feel like it's more on the offense than the defense. And you know, if you're gonna, if you want to win the Big Ten East, you got to pour it on. I see what Ohio State's been doing the last couple of games. You know, they're up there by you know scoring fifty points. Yeah, it's time. It's time to put that foot down on the gas and and floor it. I, you know, Mike, I could talk with you all day. It, Sure. When losses come, you know, that's when we're going to have to deal with uh, things. But, you know, when they say, you know, it's a great time to be alive right now, as a Michigan fan here with, you know, hockey, mm. uh, hitting the ice tonight, and I saw the basketball team having their, their their madness yesterday. That got the juices flowing here. We've just talked about, you know, how great it's going with football. It's 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 uh, it's a real nice time now uh, in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I mean, what was the stat? I think uh, Michigan tweeted something out today that they had – 11 teams ranked in the top 10 in the country right now, uh, which is incredible. And the hockey team is number one. The basketball team is a preseason top 10. The women's basketball team is a preseason top 11. They're number 11 in the country. The football team is number six in the country. Uh, I mean, I've lived a lot of years, um, 41 of them so far. Uh, I don't know that, I mean, if football can sustain this, I have every confidence that hockey and basketball will have great seasons. So you could be looking at one of the preeminent years of Michigan athletics history. And that doesn't even take into account all the Olympic sports. The women's gymnastics team is coming off a national title, right? I mean, the Michigan baseball team is going to be a preseason Big Ten favorite. The softball team is going to be a preseason Big Ten favorite. Uh, the wrestling team. Uh, is is considered, I think, one of the top five teams in college uh, college wrestling right now. I mean, like they have so many good programs. But for for the average fan, it's football, basketball, and hockey to some extent, and all three of those are, are doing great. So it's a it's a, an amazing time uh, to be a Michigan fan. And what it's I was talking to I, I teach a class at Michigan, and uh, one of my students actually, a couple of my students are from Boston, and so Boston right now is in the playoffs. Uh, they're down three games to two to the Houston Astros, and they're saying like, is it the, the kids said to me, is it? a good spot to be in right now where like everything is a possibility 
or is it the bad spot to be in? Because when you ha- when you have expectations so high, you get hurt a lot more. And I told him like, man, like, look, like this is life. And so if Michigan goes three and three the rest of the way, like that'll suck. But what a fun possibility it is of what they're capable of. And if the basketball team goes out there and ends up finishing like in sixth place in the Big Ten and gets bounced in the second round of the tournament, like, yeah, that's going to stink. But like, it's so much better to be able to like think about what you're capable of than to just be limited in what you're capable of. And so um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, God, I have like really high expectations for basketball, both of them for hockey. Um, I just really want to get over to Chrysler and to, to Yost a couple of times this year. The hockey team is crazy, man. Like they number one team in the country. I think they're averaging like 4.8 goals per game in their first four games. Uh, and they could they could honestly score five to six goals a night, um, which is just really exciting hockey. Yeah, it's great. Michael, it's great talking with you. And, you know, you're dialed in as much as anybody to Michigan. It's a great time right now. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Thanks so much. Look forward to talking with you again. Absolutely. Anytime, Dennis. All right. Take care. We'll see you. Well, I'm going to keep uh, going here for just a couple minutes. I got some audio that I wanted to get to that uh, I, m- I mentioned Mike Hart and um, also uh, hearing uh, Franz Wagner make his uh, first hoop. Uh, score his first hoop. I do have this courtesy of Orlando Magic Radio. Orlando out to an early 7-5 to five lead here in San Antonio. Bombo with a beautiful cut by Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner is wearing number 22 there for the Magic. How about his teammates? You've got his brother, Mo, who came off the bench. Franz started. Mo came off the bench, had seven points. And Iggy Brozdankis, uh on the team. As well here at the start, you know, I know he had a couple of 10 days last year for uh, the Magic. I know he's with the Knicks, but uh, Brozdankis uh, scoring a bucket there for the Magic as well. But 32 minutes for Franz, six of nine from the floor, 12 points, four boards, two feeds for the rookie from Orlando as they lost to the Spurs. But, uh, you know, they they have the success. They move on to the pros, and there you go. They uh, the way things work. So just uh, a little bit of, uh, of Franz there. Well, I also wanted to have you hear Mike Hart. I listened to the Michigan running backs coach. He was uh, in front of the media earlier this week, and you know, he was asked about all of the running backs and uh, how he's dealing with Donovan Edwards, the you know outstanding running back, but he's just not getting the time. But those freshmen working hard, like working at 3 o'clock in the morning, some of those stuff, uh, some of those things you – you know, you like to hear about the young stars staying engaged and the possibility of them being needed here in the second half. But I, I pulled out um, this sound from from Mike Hart, who uh, was asked about the running back position and, and numbers that he looked at. And he was asked specifically, how much does he pay attention uh, to yards per carry? No, I mean, I, I don't look at it. You just watch it and you see it. I think yards after contact is huge. Um falling forward all the time you know that's kind of how you you know that's how you want to hard the run if it's a huge hold they should be able to get yards but for example a sign that made that guy in the open field you know miss that's yards after contact even though he didn't get touched right and Blake does the same thing in open field a lot too where he doesn't 
the guy may not touch him, but he makes a move on him. So those are all yards after contact, and that's what great running backs do. They get the extra yards. If the lineman blocking for five, they get eight or they turn into 20 or 30. And so that's what you really look forward to. You know, if the play's blocked for four and they get four, everybody should do that at this level. So it's those guys that get those hidden yards, as we call them, that all, you know, instead of second and six, it's second and four, you know, falling forward for two yards. So that's what you want to see, and, and they're doing a great job of it. Yeah, so we talk about yards per carry. My car looking at yards after contact. That's one of those, like, PFF numbers. Like, who's number one in yards after contact? Hassan Haskins, you know, the way he runs, you can see that like falling forward. He's got that kind of herky jerky style. Uh, I'm going to knock my camera over by you know, trying to uh, impersonate. Uh, I guess not impersonate to uh, emulate uh, a little Hassan Haskins going with my inner Hassan Haskins. there, knocking the, uh, the camera over uh, a little bit more from Mike Hart. You know, this is a trophy game. You see that a lot in the pregame, uh, uh, George Jewett, the inaugural George Jewett trophy that they will play for. And, a, a, a guy from uh, over 120 years ago that went to uh, medical school, played football at both places. So, you know, that's a little bit of the background. But I thought Mike Hart um, gave a thoughtful answer on a George Jewett and this being um, the trophy game. And here's what he has to say. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where people are like, who is he? And I think when you really look at who he is and what he did at the time period he did is really, really impressive. I think, you know, and I went and looked it up, you know, um, and I just think when you, you think about the time, like Civil War ended in 1865, right? Jim Crow, or Plessy versus Ferguson was 1896. And when you look at the dynamics in America at that time, what he had to go through when he played here, um, I'm from Syracuse, New York. And so I grew up knowing about Floyd Little, Jim Brown, right? Ernie Davis. And so I understand what they had to go through in the 1950s, 1960s. All my family's from Birmingham, Alabama. My grandpa moved here when he was 16 to go to school. And just those personal stories from my grandpa and what he had to go through, again, that's in the 1950s, 1960s. So you're talking about a time in America where a lot of people didn't go to college in the first place, not even black people, right? He came to school at Michigan as a black man, right? In the 1890s, I'm sure he went through a lot right and med school like that is really really impressive and i mean i saw the i saw a stat that said there wasn't another african-american i just say black y'all so another black person that, that lettered at michigan football for another 40 years right and so what he did is amazing and i you know he it's it's well i mean it's a great honor for him i personally it means a lot to me i'm excited about just from where my family is from and what they went through early on um in the history I know about the the running backs who were, you know, in that area in Syracuse. And so it means a lot. And I think it, it should not be overlooked. It's not being overlooked. Um, and it's really, really impressive. And I think that I just think in my mind of what he had to go through week in and week out in the games he played in when there were fans there and what was said to him and the man he is, you know, and to go to med school. I mean, there's no greater honor. And I'm glad that we get to play for it. Good stuff there from uh, Mike Hart. Thanks to mgoblue.com for that audio going a little bit longer uh, than uh, the normal. Uh, but thanks to uh, mgoblue.com. I've got one more from Mike Hart. I was just looking at the schedule here. You know, Mike Hart, they're not going to put Mike Hart in front of the media in Michigan, Michigan State week. There's no way that's going to happen. And then, you know, the following week is against Indiana where he just coached, so you don't want to put him there either. So this is a good spot time to get Mike Hart out there and have him talk about the running backs. You talked about one more. 
He talked about Blake Corum. I remember seeing the off-season picture of Blake Corum in the weight room. I was like, whoa, Blake Corum. This guy's a, a monster in the weight room. Awesome uh, running back out of the football field. And Mike Hart was asked about um, number two, the sophomore, second-year player, when uh, it comes down to Blake Corum. And Mike Hart was asked uh, what Corum does to stay in shape. He doesn't eat junk food or stuff. I don't know. It's just healthy stuff. I don't know why he does it, but no. Um, no, honestly, he's he's a kid that he knows what he's eating every day. You know, he he knows how to hydrate every day. He's just he's on top of his body. Um, for for you know, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid is pretty impressive. Um, he knows what he, you know, before games hydrating during the week. You know his pregame routine, how he gets rolled out, how he stretches. He knows when a you know one of his you know his calf might be tight, and he gets extra work on his calf. He's just really in tune to his body and what he needs to be ready to go. Get on top of your body. That's what I heard right there. Thanks to mgoblue.com for uh, the audio right there, and Michael Spath for joining us here on this uh, afternoon live. As now tomorrow we got Michigan and Northwestern, and then immediately following it is uh, U of M MSU week. So all of that is, uh, you know, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, the build up and the anticipation. Look at the anticipa- anticipation and excitement uh, couldn't be any higher for for Michigan and Michigan State this year. And you know, if, like Spath was talking about earlier, like if you're not that big of a college football fan, or you know, you there's some people that like you know really just like both of the programs and just want to see a good game, you know, those kind of things. But you know, when you're partial to one of the teams and it's been a while and now you have both sides with so much at stake here. It's really going to be, you know, the, the, the greatest of highs uh, coming up on the 30th. Devil's Night up in East Lansing, or it's just going to be, you know, the, the lowest of the low. But that's, that's what you're hoping for. You know, you want to play for something in sports. You know, you want to you have something on the line, bring so much more uh, to it. So. Yeah, yeah, but uh, first tomorrow, and the uh, the cats. I'll have an afternoon live after the game. I'll give you some of my thoughts on uh, what I saw from the maize and blue, and then we will be on to Michigan State officially. That's when all the guys can all finally start talking about being on to Michigan State as well. That's going to do it. Thanks uh, for watching or listening, whatever you're doing out there. Take care of yourself.